following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. I want us to think about. This is what I want us to focus on a little bit this morning is this idea of Emmanuel and what it means. It's a really important word. And we're going to do that. We're working through this series uh, through the first couple of chapters of Matthew's gospel. So if you've got a Bible with you, Matthew chapter one is where we're going to be. And we'll look at Emmanuel, but we'll do it by looking at the story of Joseph, because that's where we focus in Matthew chapter one. That's where Matthew focuses, Joseph and I don't know whether you think much about Joseph as one of the characters in the Christmas story. He tends to be a little bit bypassed, I think. I don't know if you've ever seen a Christmas play, but Joseph is probably the most boring character in the, Christian play, in the Christmas play. He's Like when you think about what Joseph actually does in a, in a nativity play, what does he do? He, just, he, he walks beside the donkey and then he just stands there and everyone else is doing stuff. The wise men are coming from ages away and the shepherds are bowing down and Mary's, you know, obviously got stuff on her mind and Joseph's just not doing it. He doesn't even have a speaking part, Joseph, like in the Bible. He doesn't even say anything. And so, um, you know, we can just not give Joseph a whole lot of attention. We give Mary a lot of attention. Obviously, we give Jesus a lot of attention. Joseph can be a little bit left out. But Matthew tells us Joseph's story. And so I want us to think about who Joseph was a little bit this morning. Um, Joseph, at the time Jesus was born, was probably in his late teenage years, maybe, possibly a little bit older, maybe, maybe early 20s. But we often think of him as a much older guy, don't we? With the big bushy beard. And, you know, but he was probably a pretty young, he may have still had the beard, but he was a fairly young guy at this stage. And he was, we don't find out in this passage, but in, in other passages we're told that Joseph was a builder. So he was a working class guy. The word is tecton. So we often think of Joseph as a carpenter, but the word tecton, it means all kinds of construction. He he was a manual laborer, worked with his hands, and he would have had a range of skills within that. And so he was a builder, probably worked with his dad who was a builder. This would have been going down for, for generations and generations and generations. And Joseph, is it easier if I stand up here? Can you see me better? That's, I, I, feel, I feel better up here. I keep going. I'm, I'm, if, if it all goes well, I may even make it to the top level. <laughs> so Joseph was a builder, and he was engaged to Mary. And in those days, engagements were a bit more serious than they are now. So this was like a legal thing. You couldn't just break off an engagement. You had to do that by a formal process. Uh, so this was already a, a, a legal arrangement, a betrothal that he had to Mary. And while they're engaged, Mary comes to Joseph one day and tells him that she's pregnant. And when you think about it, this was not good news for Joseph, right? Initially, he wouldn't have been happy about that news because what does Joseph know? That he's not the father, right? And so what he thinks is that Mary's been unfaithful. And they're engaged to be married, and Joseph thinks that Mary's been unfaithful to him. So he would have been devastated at that news. He would have been absolutely gutted. This is the woman that he loves. He loves Mary. He's looking forward to spending the rest of his life with Mary. And now Mary's coming to him telling him that she's pregnant. I mean, she had a whole story about an angel and this whole thing about the angel visiting her. And, you know, he's probably thinking, I've heard this all before. You know, the angel story. Of course, it was an angel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know, I know. Yeah. But he would have just been gutted. Like this was the end of the road for him and Mary as far as he was concerned. 
And so Joseph formulated a little plan to deal with the situation, which was, we read it in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 1, it says, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph was faithful to the law. What that means is he was faithful to the Jewish law. He tried to keep all of the commandments in the Old Testament. He did his best to keep the Jewish law. He was a righteous man. But in this case, that's not good news. That's not good news for Mary. Because what the law required in this situation was that Joseph handed Mary over to the authorities and that quite possibly Mary would be put to death if she was found to be unfaithful. So for Joseph to be faithful to the law meant handing Mary over. And for her then to be publicly ashamed, her, her, her sins would have been made known to everyone. She possibly would have been executed. So this was high stakes stuff. So Joseph was faithful to the law. And yet at the same time, Joseph had a heart of compassion and he loved Mary. This was his fiancee. He loved Mary and he didn't want to have her publicly shamed. He certainly didn't want to have her killed. And so Joseph made this plan to quietly send Mary away, which he thought was for her best. It was a lot better than the alternative. So he planned to allow Mary to divorce quietly, break off the betrothal, and that would have meant Mary takes off. She would have then made another life for herself, taken on maybe another identity. She probably would have been a beggar most of her life. She's a solo mum now. This would have been huge shame involved, but it was probably still better than the alternative. So while Joseph's formulating that plan, an angel then appears to him. He has his own angelic visitation. And the angel says to Joseph in verse 20, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And just think about how Joseph might have reacted to that news and what sort of bundle of emotions might have been swirling around in this angelic encounter. I mean, he would have been terrified because he's meeting an angel. He probably would have been relieved because... He would have realized Mary's story is true. So she was telling the truth. So she hasn't been unfaithful. So there would have been that relief. And then he would have been overwhelmed because he's being told that this child that Mary's going to give birth to, that he would be the adopted father of, is going to be an incredibly significant child. This will be the Savior. This will be Yeshua. God saves. The one who will save his people from their sins. I mean, that would have been mind-blowing for Joseph. So he is overwhelmed by this news, terrified, relieved, afraid, confused. And so Matthew, the gospel writer, as he's telling the story, he kind of then presses pause on the story. And he says, let's hold the action there. And he gives us a little commentary. And he helps us to understand what's going on. And he says this in verse 22. Here's the key verse. The key two verses, as all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Yeah, Chloe told us that. God with us, right? We all, most of us know that. So Emmanuel, this is not a name for Jesus. Okay, I know, it, I know the angel said, you will call him Emmanuel, but it's not like it was his middle name. It's not, it was Jesus Emmanuel Smith or something. It was, this was not a name. It was more like a title, kind of a title. Like Matthew has talked about Jesus being the Messiah and he's talked about Jesus being the son of God. And now Jesus is Emmanuel. But I think that Emmanuel is even deeper than that. It's more than just a title 
It's more than just a name. It's more than just a label that we put on Jesus. I think the best way to think about Emmanuel is that it's a quality of God. It's an attribute of God. And you could think about that attribute as God's with usness. It's quite difficult to say that. God's with usness. Just like we talk about God's faithfulness and God's graciousness and God's kindness, you could think about God's with usness. It's a quality that God has. And that means Emmanuel is not just something God did. Because otherwise, that's just a one-time thing. And, and Emmanuel is much more than that. Emmanuel is who God is. Emmanuel is this desire that God has to be with us. And it's a desire that God carries in his heart, that he's carried in his heart for all eternity, to be with, to be near. He's not a distant God. He's not a far-off God. He's not some absent, remote deity who sits up there in heaven and is totally uninvolved in the world. God has this relentless with usness that drives him to want to be near us and with us and alongside us. And this is who he's always been. You, you can go back through the whole biblical story and see this is always whom God has been. When he first created Adam and Eve, what did he do? He walked with them. God walked with them in the cool of the day, the Bible says. So God creates these human beings and then God immediately is Emmanuel. He's with us. He's with them. So God was Emmanuel all the way back there at the beginning of the Bible. Genesis 1 and 2, God is Emmanuel. And then even when Adam and Eve turned away from God, God was still with them. And he went with them and he, and he wanted to rescue them. And so he appeared to the, the patriarch Isaac and he said, I am with you. And then he appeared to Jacob and he said, I am with you. And then he said to Moses, I will go with you. Constantly, God is Emmanuel. And then he led Israel out of Egypt and God wanted to be with his people. And so he told them to build a tent so that his presence could come down and be right there in the middle of the camp of Israel. He didn't want to be far off. He wanted to be right in the middle of the camp. So he said, build the tabernacle. And God's presence came down and filled the tabernacle. And he was Emmanuel. He was with them right there. And then when they got into the promised land, God said again, I want to be with you. I want you to build this permanent structure called a temple. And my presence will come down and I will be Emmanuel again. And so God again was with his people right there in the temple. Yes, he was in the Holy of Holies, but he was still there on earth with his people, his presence in the temple. So all through the Old Testament, you have these signposts. God is with us. 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 But nobody could have believed, could they, that God was going to go this far. In becoming Emmanuel. I mean, what we're celebrating at Christmas time is the ultimate expression of Emmanuel. That God wasn't content just to appear in the tabernacle. He wasn't content just to appear in the temple. Now, what God has done is he's left his heavenly home and he's left behind the privilege of deity and he's left behind his power and he's come down to earth and he has become this helpless, tiny, fragile little baby kicking around on a bundle of straw in an animal feeding trough in a stable in an obscure village. And that's Emmanuel. I mean, just think about that night when Jesus was born, this little baby. And I don't think it was a silent night, by the way. I, I very much doubt. I imagine Jesus was screaming his little lungs out. He was lying on straw, for heaven's sake. That's not comfortable. And he would not have been happy He's just learning to survive in the world. He's just learning to use his little lungs 
for the very first time and just to think this is the God of heaven. This is the God who has created the heavens and the earth, the God who has called out every star and knows every star by name, the God who has put the planets in their place, the God who commands angel armies. This God is now this tiny, dependent, vulnerable baby who was totally dependent on his mother to survive. And this is the God of the universe. That is Emmanuel. And that is the extent of God's desire to be with us. That's what you're seeing. And that little stable is just how strong this with usness of God really is. So great was his desire to be with you, with us, with humanity wasn't happy with the tabernacle or the temple or Mount Sinai or any other way that he'd come down in the past. But he has become one of us in order to be with us. That's the with usness of God. And so what we know now, as we sit here today, we're 2,000 years later, but we know that because Jesus was with us then, he is with us now. Is that right? Because he was Emmanuel. Remember, Emmanuel is not just something God did. He didn't just do it this one time 2,000 years ago, and that was Emmanuel. God is Emmanuel. It's his nature. It's his heart. He's always. And Emmanuel was who God was before Jesus, and it is who he is now after Jesus has gone back to heaven. God is still Emmanuel today. He's still with us. He's with us now. When you belong to Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is not physically present on earth as he used to be, but now he's present with us by his Spirit who fills our hearts and fills our community together. So God is still Emmanuel. He's still with us today, just as he was Emmanuel 2,000 years ago. You might not feel his presence all the time. You might not feel like he's with you. Sometimes you might feel like he's a long, long way away. But even in those times, when you feel like God is distant, you know because of the Christmas story that God is with you, that he is right alongside you, and that he's not going anywhere, that he will never leave you, and he'll never forsake you, no matter what. Brian McStay in our church here tells this great story about a day that he was driving along, and he picked up a hitchhiker. And uh, he didn't know who the guy was he picked up at first. This guy jumps in his car, and he just starts having some conversation with him. And as the conversation goes on, he realized that this guy was a patched member of the mongrel mob. And so he's now got a mongrel mob member in his car that he's just picked up as a hitchhiker. So they're driving along, and Brian says, look, I've just got to make a stop on the way to where he was taking. I'm not sure whether you really want to stop somewhere on the way when you've got a mongrel mob member in your car, but Brian said, I've just got to stop somewhere at uh, a boat repair shop. He was getting his boat repaired. And the mongrel mob guy said, yep, okay, that's fine. So they pulled into this boat repair shop, and Brian got out and started talking to the guy who was fixing his boat. And they got into a bit of a thing because the uh, boat was taking a long time to be repaired. And the guy was really dragging it, and it wasn't happening. And the guy wasn't really that interested in what Brian was saying. He wasn't that interested in fixing his boat. And he just said to Brian, look, I'll just get to it when I get to it, okay? And then suddenly, this guy looks at Brian and looks slightly past Brian and sees a very ominous figure standing there. And this mongrel mob guy is standing there behind Brian. And he looks at the boat repair guy and he says, is this little runt giving you trouble? <laughs> I suggest you fix his boat right now. And that, what do you know? The boat was ready next week. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. 
And that's kind of stuck in my head, that story, as a picture of the way that God, in some ways, is with us. He's not a mongrel mob member, but he's always with us. And whatever situation we're in, those situations that are just beyond us, that we find really hard and really stressful, we know there is always someone beside us and behind us who is stronger than we are, more powerful than we are, who's got strength we don't have and resources we don't have, and he is there to watch over us and defend us and empower us and sustain us. In those times, you might be having one of those times right now where you just find things really difficult and stressful and frustrating and exhausting, you know that God is Emmanuel. He's with you no matter what. And when you feel powerless, he'll give you the strength that you need. And when you feel stuck, he will direct your steps. And when you feel weak, it'll be his strength that rises up within you. So as you look out towards next year, and maybe kids, you think about next year, maybe you're going to a new school and you're not sure how that's going to go and you're a bit worried about it, you know that God is your Emmanuel, that he's with you. He will be with you in that new school. And as you take steps there, he'll be right there beside you, right there to watch over you every step of the way. And adults, you might be thinking about next year and you're thinking about the economic issues that we've got. You're thinking about finances and it's pretty tough. And you can know that just as God is Emmanuel with you, he will be Emmanuel right there. And he's not just God with us. He's God with us who knows what it's like to be human because he has been human himself. I mean, you think about Jesus. He grew up and he was a builder. He probably went to work with Joseph Joseph and Jesus probably worked out on the construction site. Just the two of them sometimes maybe, maybe with a few others. And everyone looking at Jesus would have thought he's just an ordinary guy. You know, he's just swinging a hammer there and he's doing his job. And maybe sometimes he missed the nail and hit his thumb, called out his own name. I don't know. <laughs> but Jesus was just, a, he was a builder. He was an ordinary guy. And so he knows what ordinary life is like. And so you can just think, as God is with you, he knows exactly what you're going through. If it's great stuff, if it's really hard stuff, or if it's just the really mundane, ordinary stuff, God knows. Because he has been there. He's had one of these bodies. He's had a job. He's gone to school. And he knows. And he's with you every step of the way. And I'll tell you one more thing. Right at the end of the Bible, in the very last scene of Scripture... When Jesus returns again, and this is part of what we celebrate at Advent as well, is Jesus, when Jesus finally comes back, the way the Bible describes it is God speaks. He speaks from the throne, and he says, Now the dwelling of God is with his people, and he will be with them, and they will be his people, and he will be his, their God. And you have this picture right at the end of the Bible that God on that day is going to be Emmanuel too. It's not just something he did in the past or even just in the present. Even in the future when Jesus returns, he will then be Emmanuel and we will see his face and we'll see him like we've never seen him before. We'll know so much more of him. We'll be in his presence. We'll see him fully and completely and we will know him and we will be with God and he will be with us. This is the way the story goes. And in the end, God will be our Emmanuel in a full and a perfect sense. So in some ways, you think about Joseph's story, in a way, we're all a bit like Joseph, aren't we? Joseph was an ordinary guy, totally ordinary life. And then he found himself in the presence of Emmanuel, 
the God who is with us. And it's just like us. We're just ordinary people, just a bunch of ordinary people. And yet here we are. We find ourselves in the presence of God who is Emmanuel. And so maybe Joseph's story can be an encouragement to you. And as you journey through the next couple of weeks towards Christmas, I want to encourage you to think about the depth and the meaning and the significance of that word, Emmanuel. And to think about God, not just God with us in a general sense, but become aware of God with you. That Jesus is not just God with us. He is your Emmanuel. He is God with you. The presence of God guiding you and sustaining you and walking alongside you at every single moment. When you're aware of it or not, whether you feel it or not, whether you are walking towards him or away from him, he is there patiently waiting and walking with you. He is your Emmanuel. So let's celebrate Jesus as the Emmanuel of God. And let's be aware of this beautiful quality that God has, his with usness, that leads him to be near us and to be with us every step of the way. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this, for this word and all that it means. We thank you that you are Emmanuel, and we just take a moment to let that sink into our hearts, God. The miracle of what it was that you have become one of us, that you've taken on our humanity, our lives, our flesh, our existence, and you've done that because your desire is to be with us. And God, I pray for those who may not feel your presence or feel that you are with them, may feel that you've abandoned them and taken off, or just people today that are feeling like you are so distant from them, God, and they may not be sure how to get back to you. I pray, God, that you would just lift up our eyes and just stir our hearts that we would know you, you've never changed. You are always right there. Even those times where we haven't been aware of it, you are right there with us, alongside us, sustaining us. So God, help us to be mindful of your presence. We thank you that, Jesus, you have made this possible through what you've done. Help us to be aware of you. Help us to walk with you. Help us to love you and draw near to you as you've drawn near to us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources or to donate to our teaching resource ministry or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.